You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Beaver Stadium. This is the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. Penn State improves to 9-1 with a 34-27 victory over the visiting Indiana Hoosiers. Their stay in the top 25 will be brief, although they certainly uh, served up a, a nice statement for their uh, state of their program right now, did Indiana, and had a chance toward the end to make this even scarier for Penn State. Jesse Lucchetta comes up with the onside kick attempt. Penn State's able to take a knee, and we can shift focus. We'll do that in the next week towards Columbus, where the Big Ten East division will be on the line with Ohio State, uh, the formidable favorite heading into that matchup. But, Sean, Penn State gets the bounce back it was looking for in the win column, something it was not able to do the last couple of years. And Indiana took a lead in the first quarter. This Penn State defense comes away with some more questions, but leaned on the ground game, got it done in Beaver Stadium. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Indiana battled all the way. They passed the heck out of the ball today. Very successful through the air. I mean, that's a concern if you're Penn State. That's two straight weeks where where that's happened. I think uh, 31 of 41 today for 371. Um, last two weeks, 49 of 61 for 710 yards. That's not going to get it done, especially with Ohio State looming on the horizon. But still, Penn State found a way to battle. They had one of the most impressive drives of the season to uh, to cap this game, to you know, to send this one over the edge and kind of put it out of reach for the Hoosiers. So credit to them. And they did it in uh, impressive fashion when you take into account that K.J. Hamler was not there for the final three quarters of the game. No K.J. Hamler again. No Co- no Noah Kane. We have not seen him since the first quarter of the October 26th matchup at Michigan State. Uh, he was, again, dressed for pregame warm-ups. But this was the Journey Brown show uh, for a second consecutive game. He gets the heavy bulk of carries. But Sean Clifford as well showing what he can do on the ground. And, um, you know, I think let's really start and get it out of the way. Something that popped up that happened last week, and we're not not accustomed to seeing this Penn State team be picked apart, but you said it through the air. You you named the stats today. You named the stats the last couple weeks. It is becoming a a difficult trend to ignore with your biggest test as an opposing quarterback coming up in a familiar foe with Justin Fields. Yeah, that secondary was, uh, once again, just kind of chopped up, and that's – you know Peyton Ramsey. You got to you got to give a lot of credit to Peyton Ramsey. He not only played well within the system, but he made plays by himself. Uh, had a couple of really nice runs to to, to extend play to extend plays to extend drives. Really, um, so he played it. You know, just his best game, which is also becoming a theme with you know Penn State. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks or the last couple of years, some of these quarterbacks have had their best games against Penn State. Don't know that that's all all, all too much a coincidence as we once thought it was. But Peyton Ramsey played a heck of a game. Um, Penn State's defense really, you know, sat back and gave a lot to Indiana. Indiana started off the day with a lot of things near the line of scrimmage. That all changed with, with an injury that we'll get to here in a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, 371 yards, especially with Ohio State next weekend, uh, that's uh, that's not going to get it done. James Franklin said after the game that's something that they need to work on. He did credit Indiana. You know, Indiana deserves some credit with the passing game, but really, that's uh, you're coming out of this game thinking what what's that secondary doing? And and when that front four 
can't do it, you know, can't get the pressure, doesn't have the time to get to the quarterback, you know, that's that's going to be problem problematic. Penn State opened this game uh, scoring-wise with a touchdown to Nick Bowers, second consecutive game in which the number two tight end for the Nittany Lions has reached the end zone. He's had a really strong senior campaign. But then quickly, Indiana strikes back about two and a half minutes later, Sean, to tie the game up. Ty Freifogel, great name, a great play for Indiana, but it was more the same that we saw in Minneapolis where a defensive back left in the dust and really not a, not a contested pass. There was nobody around Freifogel, and unfortunately that was one we talked about on the podcast earlier this week where Pence, or excuse me, Indiana uh, faked the, the bubble screen and then went up top. Pitt had success with that. Some other teams have had success with that against Penn State. And, man, Freifogel didn't have anybody close to him. Penn State has sent a double safety blitz, another one of those lo- uh, slow-developing blitzes that really has hurt Penn State at times this year with the deep ball. And really, that's not it. First off, by by the way, we, we took a roundabout way to that, that that first touchdown. Penn State started off slowly on offense. They punted. Uh, Blake Gillikin got uh, got a nice bounce into the Indiana player. You know, that's a turnover, and that's points off a turnover. So we probably should have mentioned that Bob as well. Bob Yeah. And, and a guy who, by the way, we talked a lot about him. As much as Indiana did enjoy success through the air today, he had one long shot, a, a, big, a big catch for him, 42 yards. Added another reception for eight yards, but two two catches, fifty yards uh, for Fillior. He only was targeted three times, according to his official stats. And additionally, he had the fumbled punt. So a guy who did have three double-digit reception games, fourteen catches in two different conference matchups. Contain him for the most part, but as you said, Peyton Ramsey found ways to distribute to the other guys. We're going to talk about uh, Wap Fillier here in a little bit, but you know, trading scores. Penn State comes back down, gets a field goal. Um, you know, it hit the big play into Indiana territory to KJ Hamler. Um, Pinniger, Jake Pinniger, by the way, had a really good game. 47 yarder, two year, two yards short of his career long. Uh, we just went out and freaking nailed it. That was a great kick. Um, Indiana came right back. They, they they played off that short stuff. They did a lot of stuff near the line of scrimmage, and then boom, they hit another big play. Ramsey sneaks into the end zone. It's 14-10. By the way, you're in a shootout with Indiana in the first quarter of this game. I know the over and the under the over under was in the 50s, you know, fairly high. But really, in the first quarter, it looked like this game could be, you know, very very high scoring. During the eight games that preceded Penn State's second bye week, zero touchdowns allowed in the first quarter. In each of these past couple games, Sean, both of the first two possessions for the opponent, last week Minnesota, this week Indiana, they result in touchdowns. I'm discluding the the, the botched punt recovery where you actually had the team's opposing quarterback on. They've manufactured back-to-back drives to start each of these last couple Big Ten games. So, Extremely uncharacteristic based on what we saw from the first two-thirds of the year from Penn State's defense. From the big picture, the biggest play of the game, K.J. Hamler takes a kick return, lands on his head, neck, did not uh, did not return. James Franklin said after the game they're hopeful to get him back for Ohio State. He said the same thing about Noah Kane a couple of weeks ago, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Really wasn't uh, really wasn't confident in Noah Kane coming back just based on the way he said that. KJ Hamler seemed you know the way the, the way that he said it about KJ Hamler uh, seemed more sincere. I, I can buy that that he'll be back. And we saw him afterward cheering on his teammates. He was in the tunnel. He had a what a megaphone or something like yes. that yelling to his teammates. That's very KJ of him. But uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be okay. You know you don't you don't know what if if it's concussion protocol or anything like that. Um, I hate to speculate on it, but you know, that's where he landed, um, and they took his helmet from him. But really, after that, Penn State's offense changed. I mean, this is something where K.J. Hamler has been the focal point of the offense so many times in this season. He, he leads Penn State's targets, probably 2-1 to one what he leads uh, the rest of the team in, in, in targets. Um, from that point, Penn State changed. 
187 yards on the ground of their 192 total and just 107 yards through the air after that injury, which was about three minutes left in the first quarter. They did have to shift. And, and you know, we, we've talked a lot about Journey Brown, and I wrote about it this week, and you mentioned on the podcast another big game could be up for him. He is really asserting himself as a guy who can take that kind of volume as a, as a rusher, not just some kind of speedster who's a nice kind of gadget weapon for your offense. Uh, he goes over 20, uh, 20 carries. That's only the second time, Sean. We saw Noah Kane get 22 rush attempts at Iowa uh, last month. This time it's, it's Journey Brown, 21 carries, 100 yards off of those. The one long-distance touchdown, uh, we'll get to that in a second. But he's a guy, when, when called upon in this contest, uh, he is really continuing to set an example that he's a guy who was, is ready for this moment, and he's ready to be you know, a, a bit of a vocal point uh, for this Penn State offensive attack if they need him to be. And I think there were questions about his ability to be that kind of a running back coming into the season. I'll agree with you. The two, uh, two very productive weekends for Journey Brown in a row. Uh, you know, He had the big touchdown run here that we'll get to in a bit, but really, you need a guy to step up like that. They also gave Devin Ford the ball quite a bit. Yes. It's interesting. There's, there's really two ways to look at this Hamler uh, injury and absence is that you know Penn State was able to score points after he went out of the game. They were able to move the football a little bit, so you had a couple of guys stepping up. Mac Hippenhammer, I think, had his first catch of the year. They got the backs involved in the passing game. Um, and then the, 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 the focus, of course, of Indiana's defense shifted to Pat Fryermuth. They, they bracketed him, really didn't give him a chance. He only ended up with a couple of, uh, of catches. But on the flip side, you know, it's great. They got the win. They got out of there. On the flip side, you need somebody to step up as a playmaker. Journey Brown did that some, but in the passing game, didn't see a ton from Jahan Dotson. Of course, Fryermuth, there was a ton of attention paid to him. Uh, so really, that's you know, if you don't have KJ Hamler, especially going to the Horseshoe next, next weekend, that's uh, that's a tall order right there because he's he's a lot of your offense. I apologize if if I did not hear you and you said it, but I've been going through the stats here in front of you. Um, Chisena getting the start at wide receiver over Justin Shorter. Um, it turns out that X receiver position, whether it was Chisena, Shorter, Daniel George involved, uh, nothing out of that in terms of getting in the stat sheet. No one surpassed two catches. As we said, KJ Hamler exiting with two catches for 52 yards. Uh, no one came, went over 40 yards receiving. And, and so, you know, they, they did utilize the running backs. You had Ricky Slade get involved uh, with a one yard, with an 18 yard reception. It was one of his only two touches. He had a one yard rush beyond that. Matt Hippenhammer, first catch of the entire season. Um, you know, good on him for that, but he was called upon to play a lot of football. Um, so yeah, there, there's going to be concerns. And KJ Hamler, we all saw what he did last year against Ohio State. He was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week, almost 200 all-purpose yards. And and obviously they were not the same offense last year when he went out of the game uh, with an issue. Uh, you know, kind of a similar circumstance off of a collision. He was out for the final stretch, and and, and you know Pat Fryermuth was the go-to guy in what was his fourth or fifth career game. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to need to come up with some answers right now because uh, continuing the theme of, of beyond Hamler, beyond Fryermuth, a little bit of Dotson, uh, you're really kind of searching for who's going to bust out and be someone who's, who's going to force the defense to maybe uh, to dictate things in a different way. Very concentrated are those targets to Hamler and Fryermuth. So when one of those them goes out, you're kind of scrambling and trying to figure things, some things out. Uh, to Sean Clifford's credit, he did, you know, it looked like he was a little bit more comfortable looking Looking around uh, through his progressions, um, he did an, a couple of nice dump offs, a couple of uh, you know pretty good pretty good plays. Also on offense, Penn State went to more twelve personnel, which is two tight ends, um, not not your your basic uh, you know one tight end on each side of the line, but they move those guys around. They like what they got from Bowers. They you know Fryermuth is going to give you a consistent effort every time out. Um, so the 
tight ends, I think, were really big. And as they got on uh, along in the game, as Penn State continued to run the ball, as they got those guys out there, they had that last drive. The tight ends were a really big part of this win, and I think that's worth uh, that's worth noting. So they go on, uh, you know, no KJ. Hip, uh, Dotson's in there in the slot. Hippenhammer's in there in the slot. They hit Pat Fryermuth. He fumbles the ball. Get a bit of a lucky bounce where he bounces right back on top of it. Sean Clifford takes off 38 yards uh, on a scramble. Put yourself up uh, 17 to 14, and that's where you end the first quarter. 17 to 14. That's a lot of points for the first quarter in a Big Ten game. Yeah, and you're thinking, wow, you're gonna have to score 40 points to win this game, something of that nature. And of course, you get th- I think it was three points in the in the second quarter. Uh, but yeah, the first quarter was off and running, and, and Sean Clifford was off and running with that 38 yard touchdown uh, on touch for him. And he's great a guy- block by Devin Ford to finish off that run as well. Yeah, and we've and we've seen Devin Ford as as a nice. Uh, downfield uh, uh, blocker when he's been called upon and had opportunities to do that. I think he's earned himself. He's he also really, had a, he's gonna be really good. He had a pretty good pass pro uh, on a pl- on a shot that didn't work out for them, but but bought Clifford some more time and you know eight carries, thirty eight yards today. Uh, talk a little bit more about the running backs later on here, but but Sean, um, when I look at, at at what Clifford's been able to do as a rusher this year, you know he's he's now approaching four hundred rushing yards. He's got four rushing touchdowns. I I think. You know, even you and I, knowing that that there was a lot of excitement about Clifford's development as an athlete, getting faster, someone who was going to be able to capable of doing that, he is continues to exceed what I really envisioned for Sean Clifford, what he could bring to this offense, and he's a guy who's you know you probably chalk it up in the next few games, figure you probably go over 500 rushing yards in his first year as a starting quarterback. Well, and the the, the flip side to that, James Franklin said in the post game that they're trying to run him less. He seems a little bit nicked up, and that's uh, you know it's it's an admission that you probably don't hear from Franklin very often. That's why we saw a little bit more Will Levis, and you know that turned into a productive yeah. play in the fourth quarter when he got a fourth down. But uh, I think they're trying to protect Clifford a little bit. Uh, speaking of protecting Clifford, he got hit with a strip sack. Rasheed Walker be- beat off the edge, and you know they, you turn the ball over in Indiana territory. The flip side of that, Penn State gets the ball back one play, and this was a huge play. We can talk about the Hamler injury all, all we want, but on the flip side, uh, Wap Fillier, that number one receiver for Indiana. He's knocked out of the game on a on a play that uh, was very close to targeting, but uh, Marquise Wilson and Ellis Brooks force the fumble, fall on top of the fumble. They get the ball back, but Fillier being out of the game is similar to Hamler being out of the game for Indiana. You can't throw the Dinkin, you know, the 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 I guess more the bubble screen. He's their close to the line of scrimmage guy. So if you noticed, Indiana's offense kind of had to change and adapt from that, and they, they they didn't have the bubble screen game work, and they didn't get the ball to the perimeter like they wanted to. And it, you know, it, it took away from their downfield shots, which is what they were so successful on the first couple of drives, especially in that first touchdown. Fillior has been such a target monster for them, and, and even more so than what Hamler's meant to Penn State. And I think with Penn State, you know, you take Hamler off the field. You know, when you recruit at this level, you've got some reinforcements. Uh, obviously, didn't show up in the passing game as much, but look, you've got a guy like Devin Ford who can get the ball to a little bit more. This is a, a, a big time recruit coming off of the bench, developing. And you know, Indiana, I, I don't think they have the surplus to, to dig into it. But let's let's face it, it didn't really slow down uh, their ability to get the ball out, and, and that was a lot of dink and dunk kind of stuff. But uh, I, I think it changed their ability to get the ball out because they had to take a little bit more of a drop. Penn State started getting a little bit more pressure. Uh, you saw a little less max protection at that point from Indiana, which is something that teams have, have been effective with against Penn State's pass rush. But, you know, you start to see some guys getting to the quarterback. Now, granted, Peyton Ramsey made some fantastic plays to get out of the pocket. He moved uh, moved around uh, a couple of times, scrambled for a couple of first downs, but saw Yitor Gross Matos get to the quarterback. You saw some some just some more sustained pressure, and I think that's, uh, you know, kind of has a lot to do with failure not being in the ballgame. 
Defensive ends, Itor Grossmatos and Shaka Tony both picking up sacks. Those were the only two sacks for Penn State in the game. Of course, fittingly, Shaka Tony's comes uh, toward the end of the game. He's the fourth quarter monster against these Hoosiers. And by the way, three sacks given up by Penn State, but all of them were early. And, and so they, they, you know, they were able to avoid, and, and obviously the strip sack was a big one, but I feel like beyond that, the, the complexion of Penn State's offense changed, but they also did a nice job protecting Sean Clifford, avoiding the, the potential for more turnovers. Be very curious when I dive into the film, uh, you know, how this offensive line performed. There were there were times, you know, they just kind of rode some waves. Uh, you know, by the end of the game, they were the more physical side, and they, and they punched that ball in. But they did, is- uh, did have issues with pass protection at times. They did have issues uh, in some other spots. So I'm curious to see how they end up grading out. So after 17-14 to 14 in the first quarter, you get three points in the second quarter. That's a, a Jake Penninger field goal, 20-14. to 14, You go to halftime. You come out in the, th- in the third quarter, and Indiana kind of gifts you one. Mm, yeah, that was, that that was, was a head-scratcher. That was awful. And you had Zach Osterman next to you who, who kind of called it. He was like, this is not going to end well if they try to go for uh, any kind of well, fake punt. Indiana takes a timeout. Okay, you know, you, you, you give yourself a decision, and then you spread it out. Um, in a in you know a funky formation where you you know you're on alert for a fake no matter what. I, I think there was some miscommunication there. I haven't read any of the post game stuff from the Indiana side. There had to be miscommunication. They snap it to an up back. The Colts did that a couple of years ago with no blocking. Hmm. This had no blocking. It was doomed from the start. He bobbled the he bobbled the initial uh, snap <laughs> that, too. So I just I don't I don't know how to describe it. But uh, fortunate for Penn State, no doubt about it. Uh, they were able to get the ball back. And it seemed like Penn State was ready to blow it open at that point. Journey Brown had a big touchdown run. Uh, it's 27-14. to 14, But Indiana doesn't go away. They get a field goal after chipping their way down the field. Penn State gets the ball back and gets a field position win. Blake Gillikin, who had another really, really good game. We don't talk about Blake Gillikin nearly enough. Maybe that's a good thing that we're not talking about punter. But, uh, yeah, he had another really good game. Pinned him inside the 10. Then all of a sudden, Indiana just does that thing. They just came back to life. 91 yards in 11 plays, uh, faced just one third down along the way, and now all of a sudden it's 27 to 24. It felt, felt got uh, went from feeling like Penn State was about to you know surge onto a win to buckle up because this is going to be a game you got to pay attention to maybe longer than you'd anticipated. Uh, and Penn State, you mentioned Blake Gillikin, two of those kicks inside the 20, uh, that one buried them, and then he had another that was uh, beyond 50. Uh, yards on the kick. He, he's been playing fantastic. That was, the, that was the fumble that Penn State ended up turning into points. So, um, And then you get probably Penn State, what will we say, Penn State's best drive of the year? I mean, best sustained. Uh, it's it's got to be the most, and, and, and it's not, it's certainly not the typical Penn State drive that we have seen, but in my three years covering this team, the only it, it stands out as a as kind of a singular drive of that nature. Yeah, eighteen plays, seventy five yards, just two passes thrown, which is not uh, not something we've become accustomed to. They took a shot, and then they got uh, a little a really a real fortunate bounce. Uh, Clifford, I guess, got mixed up with the handoff. Um, bounced past it to himself, and then found Pratt Fryermuth, who broke three tackles and got a first down. So, you know, pretty productive one one pass there. But five first downs, two Indiana timeouts burned. You got that Will Levis package in there, and he was able to to pick up a first down on a fourth down. It's really just uh, a couple things we haven't seen this year. And then Clifford finishes with the fourth down keeper. Penn State's offensive line on that play found, I think every one of them found their way into the end zone. Clifford, you know, for for a goal line carry, Clifford should have been, you know, it should have been more contested than it was. So a really good push by the offensive line. And that's, I mean, what was the timing on that? Uh, 901? 901. 901 of the yeah. fourth quarter 
when you're talking about an offense that struggled to 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 to, to go for a four minute offense even at times uh, during this stretch. So uh, really, I mean, that's got to be the biggest positive. Sixty percent of the fourth quarter was that drive and two fourth down conversions. Uh, the last, of course, being the Sean Clifford run. But they get in a situation where they're facing fourth and one from the Indiana twenty four. You think, okay, Pinniger's been pretty reliable. Do you send him out for a forty one yard field goal and settle for a six point lead that sets the stage for Indiana and Peyton Ramsey, who's who's had a nice game to come out there and break your heart. Uh, they say, you know, Will Levis. They put in Will Levis's hand back-to-back plays. At third and two, he runs for one. Fourth and one, he runs for three. And we will say this about Levis, and we've said it about Levis repeatedly. He is one of the most physically intimidating athletes they have on the offensive side of the football. I think, I think if you look across the backfield, regardless of position, Probably fits that mold better than anyone. You're thinking of short yardage back. Uh, we saw a little bit at Maryland, and here he came through in that situation. Yep, no doubt about it. So uh, to close this one out, uh, probably going to go a little short tonight. Some closing thoughts. Uh, Penn State's defense, after two weeks, looked very ordinary. You know, this is a defense that we saw all over the field over the first half of the season. I thought they were phenomenal at that point, but obviously something has ticked. There's something on film out there that uh, other coaches have recognized, and it's going to be in the passing game. So, um, you know, just a a really ordinary performance by this defense. Uh, I I don't know what the fix is. I don't know how that's going to impact their trip to Columbus this week, but it's certainly concerning. And they're going up against the juggernaut of an offense. It has looked that way throughout the first 10 games of this Buckeye season. And, uh, yeah, I think that the pass rush totals continue to stand out. I know that teams are countering them with a quick pass game. But, again, they've peaked at two sacks in a single game since they had 10 against Purdue. And that's about almost half the season now, it feels like, though. It was, it was good to see Itor Grossmatos have his most effective performance that he's put on, on film in a bit. Um, and then on offense, Sean, look, we talk about what they're going to encounter uh, defensively going up against Ohio State's offense. You want to try to establish your own pick-your-poison pick scenario on offense, but if you take K.J. Hamler out of that mix, all of a sudden it, it becomes very much different. I think the one thing to watch here is Noah Kane. Uh, you know, he full uniform back-to-back games, saw him in some capacity in pregame warm-up. Got to get the sense that, that they've been trying to get him right and, and that I would anticipate he'll be on the field against Ohio State. We won't know until it gets there. But obviously that gives you a boost. And you wonder, uh, you know, K.J. Handler, we'll, we'll see if he's on the practice field on Wednesday when we get a look there. But um, as long as he's a question mark in terms of his availability, this entire passing game is a question mark. No doubt about it. I mean, when you target somebody that much and, you you know, you're not effective with it, to, to other targets, that's a problem. I will say some credit to the offense for adjusting without Hamler. They were able to run the ball more effectively than we've seen in uh, you know in, in past weeks. It, you got to credit them uh, just for just adapting. I think is the biggest thing. And you didn't know you know once Hamler went out, he's been such a big part of your offense. You didn't know if he'd be the guy or if that would be the thing that the, it really would cause another one of those lulls. And as we saw today against Indiana, Penn State's margin of error on defense is causing a lot of problems and is causing, you know, closer games is causing, it's just, it's concerning that your defense, which you thought would keep you in pretty much every game or, or every game, you know, it's kind of narrowed that gap between them and the offense. I'm not sure that that's, uh, you know, that's a great thing for Penn State. A subject that we have talked about a lot less in recent weeks than what we talked about almost after every game, the backfield. What does it look like since uh, Noah Kane uh, became absent from the situation at Michigan State? It's been a lot of Journey Brown. 47 carries since Noah Kane exited that game against Michigan State. Next up among Penn State ball carriers, Devin Ford with 17 carries. And then Ricky Slade 
only five carries over that same span. So very clearly, Jerdy Brown has become as much of a bell cow as we've seen in this Penn State version of their offensive attack. Devin Ford getting some play as well, but there's no doubt about it. I think they're better equipped uh, to go after a team like Ohio State to keep Ohio State's offense off the field with a player like Noah Kane and what he's able to do. Uh, but let's face it, this will be the first time that, that Penn State, and, and Michael Parsons kind of disagreed with this, but he, he says they've had an underdog mentality all, all year because they don't think anyone thought they would be in this situation this late in the year. But this is the first game where, where they are going to be, no doubt about it, the underdog. And we'll talk about uh, that a lot going into the next week. But, Sean, any any takeaways for you just coming, you know, before we turn the lights out on Beaver Stadium from whether it was what we heard after the game, what we saw during the game? Two games left, your biggest test of the season, your weakest opponent, arguably, of the season to follow them. And then we'll see where it all lays out from there. But at the end of the day, they are 9-1, and one, and Big Ten East is on the line in Columbus. Yeah, I think that's the big thing to take away from that. You get another W against a pretty solid Indiana team. Um, you, you you know, you're assuring, uh, almost assuring yourself, uh, I say almost, I don't apologize, but assuring yourself of a 10-win season with Rutgers in two weeks. Um, so that's that's certainly a positive for that. But uh, yeah, you got to you got to regroup. You, I mean, a lot of credit to this offense for finishing the game the way that they did. Um, you know, if you don't get that drive, if you don't get that uh, mm-hmm. that nine minutes off the clock, you're not sure what's going to happen. Especially Indiana came back down and kicked a field goal, which you know kind of set them up to for a possible onside kick. So um, you know, the main things you got the win, you got out of here. You're 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 a nine win team. You know, it, it, the 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 deck is going to be stacked against you next week against uh, against Ohio State. There's no doubt about that. But. You know, there's a lot to like in the nine-win team. You know, you went over the for those of you who took the over of eight and a half wins uh, in Vegas before the year. Congratulations, you won some <laughs> money. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it, it, the the test will await next weekend. But I think you got to be happy with this win. You, you found a way to adapt. We talked about that after the Iowa game. You found a way to win a different game. Winning without KJ Hamler for Penn State is winning a different style of game. And that Minnesota loss devastated guys on this team. I know that they were saying all the right things after this game, but we could see it in their faces. If you watched our video of Sean Clifford post game last week, you understand it. If you saw James Franklin even Tuesday in the press conference, you understand there were some lingering elements of what they experienced last Saturday. Now, last we saw, by the way, Minnesota's getting taken to them a little bit by Iowa. Nope. Now closer, twenty to thirteen. So yeah. we'll see if Minnesota can pull off the win at Kinnick. Um, but ultimately, Sean, I think you know this team did avoid falling into that trap of, of letting it carry to the point where they can't finish off a, a, a game here. And last couple of years, it turned into two straight losses. Uh, they, they did not let that happen right now, and they keep their Big Ten Division Championship hopes alive to get to Indianapolis that first week of December. But yeah, huge challenge looms large. If you're just someone out there who wants to go all in this week and take on that sense of optimism, here's the quote from Sean Clifford. He said a lot after this game, but most notably, he said, quote, I can promise that this will be the best week of preparation that we will have. We will not be denied that. We will be extremely, extremely prepared for next week. So we got a lot of comments from Sean. Uh, spoke with Micah Parsons for a while. He's got a long history with Ohio State. Uh, Justin Fields has a long history with Penn State. Spoke to Micah about that a little bit uh, and how their pass will, will cross again in Columbus as marquee members of that matchup. But for now, uh, putting the button on the Indiana matchup. Sean, you will uh, take a, a dive into this film, I'm assuming, at some point in the next few days. Uh, so you'll get a deeper look at what Indiana uh, brought to the table here and how Penn State countered it, what they did not do well, what they did 
did well. And, of course, on our first episode, as we always do, transitioning to the next game, we'll take a little bit more of a look back at this one with some time to digest it. Uh, but I think that'll do it for now from Beaver Stadium. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, dark out here, but it's not uh, 1 o'clock in the morning like we've seen for yeah. many games. It's about 6.30. Um, but, no, we appreciate you tuning in to the post-game podcast. We'll be back at you next week. Uh, thanks for joining us. For Tyler Donahue, I'm Sean Fitz. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast.